0: But I think it's just about like really wanting something, you know, if you want to do it and if you actually have a realistic, I think a huge part of it comes from having a realistic um, sort of mental image of what it takes to do it. In this episode of the Art of
1: Success podcast, I'm speaking to Nikolai Sherma. Nikolai is a professional skier, filmmaker and storyteller. He's actually one of my favorite um, storytellers and skiing video type people i had to try really hard not to just fanboy over him the whole time but i think i just about managed it um so in this show i speak to him about well actually it's pretty wide ranging there's a ton of things that are so transferable to you as a someone who wants to create freedom for themselves we talk about how to be creative when you're not feeling creative. We talk about the role of discipline. We talk about how Nikolai manages fear and how that translates. So it's fear on the, on the big mountains and the big lines that he hits and then how that translates to his performance as a, an entrepreneur and a, a creative. Um, there's a ton of stuff in there. We touch on mental health. We touch on so much that you can get and apply to your life right now. So here is the wonderful Nikolai Shermer welcome welcome to stroke. thank you so much for joining me um like i said a few instagram messages I really do appreciate this so i um, really looking
0: forward to this yeah happy to be here good so, to have a morning morning chat get the day going
1: good man and so let's start with like the really obvious place where did the mountains like take hold of your life like where did they become so integral to what you do
0: oh um i mean i grew up in the mountains uh pretty much i'm from Tromsø in northern norway um It's actually, I think it's Caledonian, like mountain range goes Mm -hmm. all the way down to where you're, you're at kind of Scotland. Uh, It's like the Northern bit of that. And uh, they're just kind of all around. And I didn't, I think growing up, I didn't realize the connection I had to the mountains. Like my initial, like what I do, I'm a skier, right? And my initial connection to skiing was more like, you know, jumps and park skiing and all this. Um, But then as soon as I could travel, it was always like to go to more mountains and see more mountains and like the stuff that I've been drawn to as a skier has always been, yeah, like Alpine peaks, big, big ski runs. But I think, I don't know. I just grew up around them and it's been a where the fun skiing has been. And that's been the attraction. When did you realize that
1: that wasn't the kind of the norm for everyone?
0: With the mountains? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Norwegian like sports culture is heavily focused around, um, like soccer and, and the cross country um which is like pretty much what everyone everyone does football for you british people hold on he's uh (laughs) he's the hero now and um uh and i was never into that i was never into like the team sports and like the organized sports and uh even like yeah as a a kid uh i wanted to go skiing instead uh without any coaches and things like this so um i guess pretty early on i realized that was different it's actually kind of funny now because now it's like kind of come whole circle where all my friends like i went to sports high school uh everyone was playing football soccer and uh and cross-country skiing and uh and it was just basically me and my other buddy i got who was doing like skiing freeride skiing and uh or and ski touring and and now all my friends from back then would be like oh my god skiing is actually a lot of fun (laughs) so it's uh now it's kind of booming more now it's become more commonplace and it's like you know a lot more people are doing it and a lot of the Traditional like Norwegian cross country culture is sort of transitioning into ski touring just because, you know, you can still go far, but you can be in an amazing place. Um, so now it's becoming more like normal, but yeah, for sure. I mean, 20 years ago, it was still a bit fringe in a way. And I talked to like the people, like the previous generation before me, even up here in Tromsø, like my dentist is an old school mountaineer and he'll be like, when you went into the mountains, like back then, everyone you met, you knew because the community was so small so uh but now it's just exploding like everyone's out in the mountains and i think that's uh, great because the mountains are great so it's cool to see more people you reckon that's a the, cultural day. thing like or is that something shifting in culture yeah totally i think that's a cultural shift and also just like accessibility with gear and and knowledge um I think in the past and still to a certain degree, like we had a huge debate in the like the mainstream media this this past winter with avalanche deaths and yeah, I mean every year people die. Uh, it's like traffic, people will die every year. Um this year was a fairly good year. We only had four deaths whereas and two of them, I think, were in the living room. So I don't really count it. It's just an avalanche yeah. that swept the house to see. <laughs> yeah. So um, but there was, has been this kind of like mythical approach to the mountain where or mystical where people have seen it as something like dangerous and something unpredictable and something, um, you know, like this force of, uh, evil almost. And I mean, for sure, it is dangerous and unpredictable, but it is also pretty safe and predictable if you have the right knowledge and experience going into it. And I think a huge part of what has happened the past 10, 15 years is this knowledge kind of being spread, um, more widely and being more accessible you know we have uh avalanche bulletins now and just like yeah everyone can go take an avalanche course at, with good mountain guides and it's um yeah i think it's become kind of safer you know yeah yeah so i was on bc for three years or so
1: um and it seemed to be like when, was, when did i get there? like five years six years ago um for yeah for a space of three years and i like i think i was out there at that point where it was becoming very mainstream and bc is very outdoorsy anyway like everyone is like in like i was pretty close to squamish so like everyone's climbing everyone's skiing everyone's like backcountry is their life and i think i was out there at that point when like it was becoming way more accessible in terms of the toolkits available and the kind of the data as well and being able to see like oh, like there's videos on YouTube of this area was massively beneficial. But I think I was also at that point in like the Dunning-Kruger curve where everyone's thinking like, oh yeah, I know everything. But they've done one that's called AST, the Avalon Safety Training, I think. Um, yeah, and that that is such like a, and I was part of that as well. Like I I thought I was more competent than I was. So it's, that's like a scary thing that's happening right now or what's happening. Maybe it's changing.
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, for sure. I mean, when you get more people Going outdoors, you will have, you should see more incidents. But what's interestingly, what we are seeing, actually my friends at the university now, they're doing a big study on this. They're trying to track everyone who goes just to find the actual volume of people going outdoors now, uh, going into the mountains, going into avalanche train, uh, Because what you have seen, like, because we don't really have the numbers on it up here. like We don't really know how many people are out there at any given time. Um, but I mean, everyone's impression is that there's lots more than there used to be. But uh, the amount of incidents hasn't really gone up that much, like the amount of deaths. But I think in a way you would see, you, you would expect more, more deaths with more yeah. people. But I think with the added knowledge that we have now and like more easy access to that knowledge, I think, yeah, we, we aren't really seeing that, which I think is, is a good sign. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a huge like topic of how do you bring new people into this sport? when of course it's not like yeah, going for a road bike ride it is yeah. like you could kill yourself pretty much at any point mm-hmm. going into avalanche train and um <clears throat> and i've had a few rounds with myself there you know like i had one experience like uh yeah one of my good friends from like high school we were skiing together like skiing park back then and then he kind of faded away and like, started family and all this stuff and years later he comes back and he wants to get into the backcountry and he's messaging me about, you know, like all the gear, like what, what ski should I use? And I'm like, yeah, buy black rose. It's great. And, uh, like just giving him tips and all the mm-hmm. stuff I'm, I'm doing, but at no point do I tell him like, Hey, like, have you taken your avalanche classes? You do realize this is really dangerous. Uh, what's your like knowledge base here? I don't give him that, like, you know, that, that talk, you know, mm-hmm. the talk about the dangers of the mountains and that same spring he's in an avalanche and he dies and my buddy, uh, digs them out and it's like I'm left with holy shit I never said anything like I just like said get these skis and those um you know boots and off you go and so now I really make an effort like in every you know gear talk video that I do or if new people approach me about people who aren't used to the backcountry I always just start off with like be safe get the knowledge take that avalanche class um don't go into avalanche train unless you really need to uh, and just like really be adamant about that mm-hmm. so uh so yeah i think um yeah but i think that's kind of shifting in the whole culture too i do feel like there's a huge focus on safety and like yeah. what i do i mean i tell these stories about going into the mountains and doing fun stuff and like 99 percent of the drama comes from you know trying to navigate avalanche train safety and like that's the you know that's what's exciting about it yeah, but that's, that's it's
1: like the thrill really, as well. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's real danger, and like and that's part of the that's part of what makes it so engaging for you as an individual as well. It's like, am I? Well, I'm talking for myself now. Like, am I managing? Am I making the correct decisions? Am I approaching this logically? But also, if I wanted to be completely safe, I'd just sit down in my house. Like, there's there's a, there's a thrill to it of a kind of like. There's a, I'm doing something adventurous and I'm doing something difficult. And I'm that, that to me is engaging too.
0: Totally. And I mean, that has been a journey for me to get to that point for, for the longest time, for years, I was just focused on the writing and like mastering the art of skiing down these steep faces and doing these airs and all that stuff. And, and avalanches were just kind of like a nuisance, you know, like this, oh shit, we have to deal with this as well. Because, you know, skiing down a steep mountain is dangerous too. You can fall off cliffs, you can fall down the whole thing. I've broken most of my bones, or not most of my bones, but a bunch of bones and um and then like avalanches are just like this distraction, whereas now I've come to realize like it's actually like part of yeah like you say it's a huge part of the um, you know with the accomplishment it's actually having this uh yeah, having this knowledge using this knowledge, applying it correctly, and managing your own impulse to from after it like a headless chicken you know mm-hmm. into the into the phrase, so i think now i I take great pleasure in in that you know like the intellectual sort of uh inwards journey of like your relationship to the snow and then actually being able to read it um correctly and like Mm -hmm. all the science i mean now we have all these apps and all these all this data that we didn't used to have but actually being able to navigate all this data uh, i find it super fascinating and, uh, yeah, I'm actually just now like working on a story, which is essentially that, just like that journey of coming to that realization and then applying, applying that in the, when you do chase these mountain lines.
1: Yeah. You mentioned stories that like, one of the things that I think makes your content so compelling is your storytelling. You have such an eye for like weaving a narrative and for, um, I think isolating the kind of the, the tension and the emotion in there? Like, when did you become like, what, actually, why do you think you're a good storyteller?
0: Um, Thank you. Uh, thanks. I don't know if I'm like the best storyteller, but I think part of it just comes as like the natural evolution of, of making videos. Like, I've been, um, you know, you start off making films as a a teenager, like, it's such a big part of ski culture, you know, making these little edits and all that stuff, taking photos. And at the beginning, it's just like, oh, it's exciting, you match the music, and you get some sort of feeling from that. But then I think it's about just trying to, like, recreate that feeling or, like, get that feeling every time I, I make a video. and to do that like obviously watching a story like we talked about bridgerton with your wife (laughs) before we went online here and like that really moves you you know these people are Mm -hmm. engaged and they're fully committed and it's like it's not life and death there but it's love and Mm -hmm. and the ruin and i think uh just being able to pull on all those you know emotional strings in in the video uh really it's satisfying. It's satisfying to make it. It's satisfying to watch it for me after and hopefully for my audience as well. So it's kind of like the challenge of making a good video. It's like part of it telling a story uh, that I love just having kind of enjoyed the progression there. Um, and the other part is just what what drew me to photos and videos in the first place was just this ability to like actually take someone there, you know, you have an experience. And you're like holy hell that was insane that sunset was crazy and that run was mind-blowing and then actually like truly being able to show someone what it was like like truly being able to take someone there to the thing you experienced and have them feel all the things you were feeling with your friends all the you know conflicts and all the dilemmas you had up there everything that could have gone wrong and just like truly being able to to show that um i think that's i mean that's kind of my my goal um and i don't know where the that ability comes from i mean but there's like a huge tradition of people making you know amazing stories from from the mountain you know like uh jimmy chin and his wife and renan osberg and uh all these great like documentary mountain filmmakers that i just kind of rip off and steal their uh, ways of doing things and then try to
1: something comes out the other end there's some sort of Picasso voice around there, isn't there? About like about stealing ideas and, and copying and imitating. I, I totally. What is what it? Is, is.
0: Great, great, great art is borrow. No, good art is borrow, and great art is steal. I yeah. think that's the that's the quote. Mm. But I think I just had this conversation with my friend the other day because she felt like she wanted to do, a, or yesterday actually, she wanted to do a, a film with a certain angle, and then someone else did almost the exact same thing before her. And she was kind of bummed about it. But my my angle there is always like you're, you won't be able to make the same thing. Like even trying to copy someone, it, it'll become yours just in the process of, you know, doing it. So it's like, I don't know, especially if you take it two or three ideas, even if you stole every idea, then uh, it'll still be something new at the end. Just mm-hmm. having been churned out through, your, through you um, and your team or whoever you work with. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like some like writer friends and musician friends and things like this have this like idea of uh, originality, of like not wanting to be influenced by anyone. Whereas to me, it's like super obvious that I'm, you know, like they say, standing on the shoulders of giants, and anything I do will always just be a, you know, like a, something following what everyone else has done. Yeah, you but can't just, not, like unless you just sit in a cave your whole
1: life. Like you can't not be influenced by culture
0: totally totally but i think i don't know where that comes from even like there's some maybe there's like some male ego my i had my friend say that the other day where well not the other day but a few months ago where he like he didn't want to watch too many other documentaries not to be influenced by them and i'm like well, don't you want to be influenced yeah. <laughs> don't you yeah. want to have good ideas don't you want to mm-hmm. see what mistakes other people are doing so you don't have to do them yourself um
1: yeah. yeah, you're trying to build definitely. the best thing possible. Like, you want to learn from others' mistakes and see what they're doing right. Where do you go for influence? Like, if you if, because, like, one of the things I think that's similar between what you, I'm going to guess is similar to what you do and the like majority of people listening to this who had a, a generative, so they're creating things is that there'll be like these dry patches of, um, without inspiration or like a kind of like feeling of, oh man, like I can't quite get myself on on the track that i want to be on or i just don't feel as inspired as i could be like where do you go when when that strikes
0: um yeah i mean i thought you've talked about that there's like because there's there's that thing of like how does it work like what comes first yeah it's a book a silly book uh the subtle art of not giving a fuck. yeah uh i've borrowed it from a mark Mancy, i think Yeah silly book but he has some buddhist philosophy in there some of it's fun um and it's i think there's this misconception some people have about what comes first you know uh action or inspiration and to me it's always like inspiration follows action so it's not like it's not like i'll just i mean it happens too like right now i'm in the edit of a bunch of projects and and i mean i'm always like thinking about oh what's gonna happen next year and blah blah blah. but i find that it always follows action. So if I just sit down and start working, I'll I'll come up with ideas and I'll, like, I'll figure out how to piece things together. And I al- also feel like there's this, um, I feel like there's this like creative fallacy or like creative work fallacy where where people think it's like something different. You know, if you're, if, I don't know, if you're writing a report or if you're, um, you know, writing a, a piece of literature or making a movie, where they see it as something different as than like, I don't know, building a house, you know, like carpentry or something, but it is, I find it's very much just like labor, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, sure. You have to problem solve and you have to come up with ways to make things work, but it's, it's not like this, um, I don't know, romantic idea of creativity. I think to me, it's just kind of, it's work. Like I sit down and I do the work and then I'll, I'll figure out the solutions. Um, and of yeah. But yeah, where do I go to for, for ideas? I, of course I go to places for ideas, but yeah, like literature, I read a bunch of books. Um, and I love it when I find a good one, they're very foreign, rare and few and far in between. Um, but, uh, yeah, just watching movies, uh, a lot of documentaries, I love watching documentaries, seeing how other people, uh, yeah, do their work and they solve the problem of telling a story. Um, But yeah, no, again, it's just like going back to the project that I am working on. And this can be anything from like, yeah, like actually piecing together a movie, um, organizing a trip, like what mountain should we climb? How should we do it? um, Or, you know, pitching, you know, I do a bunch of pitching, which I think is more relevant to a lot of people's work, you know, presenting an idea, presenting a project, getting the funding for that. Um, And in all of these cases, it's like you're just sitting down and, and doing it and like, working actively on it rather than sitting around waiting for for inspiration because i feel like at least to me the inspiration comes when i'm when i'm doing it and also just procrastinating a bunch you know i made a silly story yesterday that took me like an hour and a half in photoshop and just like playing around and like doing stuff like that then i okay go back to my other work and i'm like okay here's some solutions to things that i've been thinking about yeah, like it's that discipline as well, right? Um, have you
1: read Stephen Pressfield's work, uh, The War of Art? No, what's that? Okay, okay, it's, it's a super small book of kind of, it's almost like maxims, like a, a few paragraphs at a time of just like, this is how you produce art. And his whole thing is like, you put the reps in, you put the sets in, you turn up when you don't want to, and you treat it like a, a job and you're there to kind of, okay, I'm going to clock in, I'm going to Take distractions out, I and mean, like I think that everyone thinks they're some sort of like, or the the fallacy is everyone thinks they're some sort of um, Jimi Hendrix figure, and they're just going to be struck by this insight and probably a bunch of heroin and just go, yeah, let's 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 create something. But like for most people, that doesn't happen, and it, it requires that which is a strange thing, discipline to be creative. Like I'm I'm turning up at a time.
0: Yeah. No, totally. And you got to really want it. You got to have to want to do do all these things. And yeah, I don't know where that comes from. Like the discipline I had, I, I did law school. I went to law school and uh, I did it like, um, um yeah, I was like surfing and skiing through the whole thing because you only had exams in the spring. So I was like yeah, spending my winters in Chamonix and all around the place and people, oh, how do you get the discipline? Well, especially when you're surrounded by surfers and skiers who just want to ski and surf. (laughs) But I think it's just about like really wanting something, you know, if if you want to do it. And if you actually have a realistic, I think a huge part of it comes from having a realistic um, sort of mental image of what it takes to do it. Because once you have that, you know, which is easy in law school because you have the curriculum, you have the Mm -hmm. amount of books you need to read. And it's obvious if you haven't read the books, you're not going to finish your exam. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it's the same thing with like uh, skiing. If you want to be a professional skier, and you're not in any ski movies, you're not making any edits, you're not you're not putting out any of the work that is the work of a professional skier. You're not going to be a professional skier. And I think I don't know. To me, at least, it's like if I if I if I want it, I have to have just have to do all these things. And then it's just a question of like wanting it enough. And I think that's like a big maybe a big hurdle for like a lot of stuff like wanting something enough
1: yeah when did uh, you start
0: wanting it enough because like
1: i'm guessing guessing you're like 18 once and just like and just screwing around and being like oh, okay i'm just gonna do whatever i want whenever i want there's like there's a point where you're like and skiing
0: was uh, did you ever see it as like a career path
1: and then it became like a uh, this is what i'm doing now
0: uh yeah that took years i think it was like 23 or 24 before I started doing that, I'm just going to take off this sweater. Um, yeah, wanting it enough. And like, cause, cause I didn't have that Yeah, for skiing too. I didn't have that, uh, till, yeah, I was probably 23, 24. And I think, and again, like having a clear vision of, of what was necessary. So I came into the ski industry, like at the end of high school, going to some photo shoots, uh, Mm -hmm. sort of like having like flow deals, like you get some, some gear, uh, and uh, I was also starting to do video work. I was really, really like into skate culture and surf culture. And, and I feel like they've always been, or at least had, at that time, they were like a few steps ahead of, of ski the ski industry in terms of media production. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we should do these like mini documentaries on, on people and all these things that they were doing. And I was just really excited to do that. And so I kind of got into the ski industry doing, doing most of video work, actually. Like, oh, my, um, like, I wasn't really like skiing at a very high level at that point and uh and then I got to see how it worked like how it worked from the inside what people were doing what they were not doing like where there was potential uh where there was um maybe a vacuum that I could that I eventually saw that I could fill but like before I had all that knowledge it was actually kind of hard for me to like realistically want to be a professional skier because you don't know what it entails you don't mm. I didn't know what the job was I didn't know what a pro skier did or should do you know so before i had invested some some time or like spent some time in industry and like oriented, like yeah gotten the lay of the land it was almost impossible to like really want it because it was just like this yeah. magical idea of something you know out there uh, and i think that's really important so i guess if you're curious about something or if you think you might want to pursue something then like actually yeah stepping into that uh, domain and, and getting the lay of the land and seeing how it works will make you you know under either get the motivation or lose the motivation because i had a lot of friends who like also stepped like dipped their toes in the ski industry and they're like well i don't want to do this, this why does that a lot of turn them off it it's a lot of work um a lot of work that's not skiing a lot of work that's uh media production and uh, just sort of culture production and um Uh, management and logistics and i mean for i i still tell people like if if you just want to ski for fun and like you don't actually enjoy sort of the you know the hubbub of the ski industry if you don't enjoy making a segment or making edits or being on photo shoots then then you'll ski way more if you just have a regular job and go skiing whenever you can though i think and then yeah, most of my friends from, yeah, from Trumse and, like, the early days of my scheme chose other paths, for sure. You must have, like, was was there a
1: point where you're like, okay, I've got law school and the career that, that entails, like, clearly laid out. And that's, like, such a predictable, like, a, you can know, see everyone's steps, like, you can progress this, this is the first level of employment, this is the second, like, I think you practice or whatever it is. And then you've got, like, it's completely nebulous, like, okay, well, I don't know what the career is going to look like. I've got, like... What am I going to do? Like, how does it work? Like, where, when was that in your life? Like, was there a moment where you're like, oh shit, man, where am I going?
0: Yeah, I guess I was like around that time, 23, 24. Um, so, how old was I then? I graduated law school when I was 26. Yeah. So, I guess 24. That was my fourth year of law school. I was going into my fourth year, I suppose. And I was like, shit, I really want to give skiing a go. So, I put law school on pause, on hold. And I just, I spent the full year like, just like giving energy into, to the ski industry, making a bunch of videos and just skiing at ton. Did it feel like a risk? No, not really. I mean, I, I think I've been fortunate there. I see people, my friends starting businesses now when they're adults and they have, you know, apartments. I was living in a pit hole, you know, house that was falling apart with my friends. I was paying like $200 a month in rent. I was living off oatmeal. I was, Mm -hmm. I had, I didn't have any money to lose. I didn't have any money. I was, you know and i was living in norway like university was free um there's welfare there's I, did, I did, and and i was already at like the lowest point in norwegian society mm-hmm. because like students aren't even counted in you know uh poverty statistics because mm-hmm. they're all living below the poverty line so i was already there so i didn't have anywhere to like go further down and um, and also i'm um, like super privileged my parents are both doctors i was i've always taken school really easily my my brain has been wired like that so uh and law school was going well like i was getting good grades so i knew that i could always uh, put more energy into that if i wanted to or you know i also i've never had a problem like doing sort of you know low level jobs i've worked at tons of grocery stores and like you know been a lifeguard and like then all kinds of and bartending all this stuff and it's fine you know it's just, that's also a, a life uh so I, I didn't really feel like i didn't fear falling to anywhere if you know what i mean like i didn't feel like i was stepping off some kind of yeah. safe pedestal onto into the unknown i just felt like i was rather like climbing in one direction instead of the other um and, and that worked and it started getting even more traction than i had in like my skiing career um But then I was still, I just had two years left of law school, which is a five-year program in Norway. And I was like, it's so dumb to just not finish that. So that was actually a real struggle. Like once I saw that, like I had a future in skiing, uh, but then I still had this law school in law school. It's like not easy. Like I say, say I was doing it while I was skiing and and surfing and things, but like, you still for sure have to put in an effort to, to get it done. And, um, and doing that while knowing I wasn't going to get the reward you know, while knowing that I wasn't going to go out there and be a lawyer and like actually pursue that. That was probably like one of the toughest things I've done because I was, so what just, was like, driving you to do that. Uh, I guess that was kind Some of like, cost. Safety, nat- I was just, like, you know, your mom, <laughs> it's so, it, it's easy to be, uh, it, like I never got any shit from home for, you know, ski bumming and all this because I was always in law school and I was always doing well. So Even if I was, you know, ski bumming and drinking beer in Chamonix, I would always come home and do my exams. And then they'd be like, oh, good work. Because, yeah, I was in law school and it's like a real adult thing. Um, And also, yeah, I guess it's just like having a safety net. I know that like everything ends, especially in skiing. And like I have friends who, you know, been like winning all of X Games and like had massive snowboard careers. And there is for sure like... uh, you know there is an end there is another side to it where you have to just work unless you're you know the son of a millionaire mm-hmm. or daughter of one so um uh so yeah, there was just that, and like really wanting to have uh just a toolkit, I saw it as like learning carpentry or something so that when I went off to work eventually, then I could do something that was more productive and more helpful to people and also law really fun it's like um it's like a solving a case. What we did in, in law school uh, most of the time, it's really similar to what you did uh, in the office. I had a month working at like a, a law firm and it's especially the stuff I was doing. I talked to people now. I took my friend in France. She went to like Russian, French law school and she was, said it was very repetitive. But I guess I was lucky in the task that I was getting at this law firm. At least it's, it's so hard and so difficult that you have to kind of get into the slow state to do it. Because the the mental puzzle of like solving all the pieces that have to go in the right place for, you know, you, your client to to win the case, it's so demanding mentally that you can't think of anything else while doing it. So I found myself at this law firm, you know, like um, starting the day and you just like dive into the case and it just like consumes you and fills your head, and then you work, 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 and then you know, oh, it's the end of the day and you don't even know this time has passed, you know, and uh, And that's fun. That's uh, fulfilling. So yeah, there was that. But obviously not as fun as like climbing mountains in in the wilds and going on adventures. So I kind of, I stepped into that direction as well. But yeah, I guess bottom line, it's harder to find motivation for something where you're not going to get the reward. But I found it was like, I guess it was a good mental exercise. Also, my grades were like plummeting those last two years (laughs) as I was like (laughs) kind of navigating my shit more towards the ski industry yeah. so yeah nice man nice so you, you
1: kind of entered entered the industry at the same time you were coming out of law school what was like what was the goal then like what was the kind of is it just to kind of subside and do as much cool shit as you wanted or was it like just was there something else driving you
0: yeah i mean initially it was just uh to see if it was possible uh, first year at of law school, I went to Whistler, which is like the Hollywood for skiing, and just, yeah, wanted to see if it was possible to make a living and, and have a job and have that life. And, um, yeah, I found that it was, but I was working way too hard, way too much. I was kind of grinding myself down too much. So eventually, like once I realized it was possible, I was like, okay, I also need to do this in a way that's, that's pleasant and that's actually, you know, a good life. Cause what are your achievements if you have a, the time achieving them, you know, uh, it's all about the process. So, so yeah, I mean, it's been one part has been kind of upping the quality, the fun of like tweaking production, tweaking my scheme, the team, um, trying to work with, I've been fortunate to work with really good people. You know, I met uh, Jonas Matila eight years ago now he's the guy I use mostly as a cinematographer. Um, and it's been a really cool journey of, like I mentioned initially of like trying to bring people out there and like trying to find how do we do that? Like, that's not easy. And just like, how do we work together as a team to, you know, be able to keep the camera rolling when the avalanches are coming down and people are falling off cliffs and obviously like not trying to have that happen in the first place, but just being able to actually capture everything uh, while trying to push, you know, our limits and, so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what the, you say, well, yeah, what's the end goal? I mean, I think the end goal is to produce something of value that the people have a good time watching. And while doing that, um, having fun for everyone involved. I want everyone involved in the project to have fun, like in the field. I want all the people I work with, all the sponsors to obviously, uh, you know, ha- get value from it. I really have, a like my business philosophy is that, There is, it's not an awesome game. Everyone should benefit from every deal. And if you're in a deal where you feel like one part's not benefiting, that's a bad deal. Shouldn't be in it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's like, uh, where I'm at now. And I have to admit too, once I realized that the whole skiing thing was working, you know, maybe I've been doing it full time now for six years and sort of like, I guess meddling it uh, like, a little bit since i was a teenager and um once i saw that it was rolling and like working comfortably i was like oh what do i do now i should do something different because i got to have this feeling of yeah. like oh i did it you know mm-hmm. and then actually being like no okay you can keep doing it you can keep doing it yeah, yeah. better mm-hmm. you can improve you can that was a bit of a yeah process for sure Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a that's a huge switch because initially as an entrepreneur
1: or an entrepreneurial person you yeah. get rewarded for changing and iterating It's like i'm gonna do one thing then nothing another, another thing and then you find your thing it's like oh to get more of that i've just got to <laughs> change it again but that process of like okay i'm just going to whittle away and become like as good as i can at this like one or two things that i'm doing like that's a really tough thing to do almost like are the parallels like the editing process of like okay, I'm gonna like, I've got this big canvas now I'm gonna shrink it down to something manageable and concise.
0: Yeah, for sure, and also finding motivation in that because it's so easy to chase a goal of like oh I'm gonna be a professional skier or an artist or you know an actor or you know have a successful shoe business yeah. or whatever. But once once that's up and running. Finding the motivation for like the day to day and like the the small gradual improvements. That's, I think, in a way, it's like a different person. Like my my brother's in the startup industry; they're doing uh, um like in the trash industry, essentially. They call themselves trash people, and and there, there's like this big thing where you have a certain some people who start start companies, you know, do startups, and then once it's up and running, you hire like the day to day people. They Mm kind of like keep it keep it rolling. it seems like or for a lot of business but uh yeah maybe it's like a bit of a different mindset needed for you know like getting things off the ground like grinding in that period and then maintaining it once it's up and, and, and rolling the other thing and, and that's the one thing for like a business where you know you can build more of an institution you can have more i mean if if you're a good ceo the thing will kind of run itself mm-hmm. if you've set up a good institution especially if you're in like I don't know, doing manufacturing or, or running restaurants or something like this, I guess, but, um, but what I do is so focused on me, you know, the Mm -hmm. business is very embodied in myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you can't really, really do that to the same extent. Um, but yeah, and, but yeah, so then, uh, I lost my thread there, but yeah, I had, so so, So what happens then is like, you work really hard to reach a certain goal. And I see this in friends who are like, yeah, successful sports people or or artists or or things like this. It's like, you work really hard to reach a certain level of whatever you're doing. And then I feel like at least maybe I had a little bit this idea of like, you work really hard to get to somewhere. And then when you get there, it's like getting somewhere geographically. Because when you you know, when you get to somewhere geographically, if you want to go to Rome, you go to Rome Mm -hmm. and... When you made the effort to get to Rome, you're in Rome and you'll stay there until mm-hmm. you go somewhere else mm-hmm. It's not the same in your professional life, yeah. at least in my experience. It's like if you work really hard to get to somewhere professionally, it's not like when you get there you can stop working then mm-hmm. it's like if you want to stay there, you have to keep up the same yeah. amount of effort to stay there mm-hmm. and if you want to move forward, you have to work even harder or like mm-hmm. smarter or in a different way and I think that's that's also been interesting to see
1: yeah yeah definitely I I think it's interesting you're talking about like the the journey there and I know it's the thing that like it's it's so i said that it's almost cliche as well now but like if I think back to my favorite um or can you hear me still dude yeah yeah okay sorry you just uh, froze for a second If, if you think back to like or if I think back to like my favorite experience in in the mountains like yeah there's like face shots and drops and all these kind of sweet things i'm just like yes that's key but like one of the things that i remember remember most favorably is like just bushwhacking through the most horrendous train with my friends and being like this is the worst time ever but it's very funny and we've done a kilometer in two hours like it's those kind of things that are just like that was shit at the time it's classic type two fun of just like that was horrendous And I really didn't like it. And it was like, it almost pushed me to the point of tears, but now I look back at it and go like, that was a hilarious and be very worthwhile. And then it's like similar things when you're creating a business as well. It's like, um, like spending hours creating content, but like, actually like I found a lot of value within that process.
0: Totally. And it's fun to talk about like, yeah, just eating oatmeal and having like horrible commutes and, yeah. I read all of War and Peace, Tolstoy's War and Peace, on the train one summer, just commuting, because it was just terrible. And it's yeah, it's it's fun. And like the good, the fun stories are when things go like wrong or like you're really struggling yeah. too, right? And I think that's, uh, and I've come to realize that, like for the videos that I do too, you know, yeah. like yeah. Uh, like Wavy is like one of the videos that or like my films that yeah. have done the best that people are more more attached to, and in Wavy like everything's a shit show yeah that was like a terrible experience in Mm -hmm. so many ways from like the sailing to the skiing to the avalanches and yeah we were doing uh so many things wrong and just really struggling but then that's a good story and like that that's also
1: what people identify with
0: yeah And, and i notice now like and this this past winter we went and like redid a lot of the things we did in that movie, like uh, where we really messed up. And now we've you know grown older and wiser, and we do it mm-hmm. properly. And uh, then it's like, okay, that's also a story, but it's not as interesting. You know, it's it's uh, it's more fun. You know, when you go to the bar with your friends yeah. and you had like a really shit day where everything mm-hmm. just went wrong. Yeah. It's more fun to listen to that than like, oh, everything's going amazingly and things are just flowing smoothly. So it's, um, yeah, it's an uh, interesting uh, contrast there. But I mean, of course, it's nicer when things are going smoothly
1: in a way, yeah. too. No? Yeah, of course. It's funny you want that, but then you look back at it and you go, actually, was that what I wanted? The smooth sailing? Like, did I really want that easy crossing?
0: Yeah want something yeah, meaningful yeah.
1: and something engaging more than something easy
0: that's true but i think it depends on um i, I was climbing i've been i i'm a terrible climber and um and uh so every i, I don't i'm not able to maintain my finger strength through the winters because i'm just skiing so every spring i start off on like the same shitty level And I've been working on this, uh, route for like three years and I can never do it. It's like start off with like slabby thing and it's like overhang. And then it's like, and then you're just super pumped. And then through the rest of it, I would just fall off. And then I watched this like one YouTube video about like how to climb better with, without gaining more finger strength. I was like, okay. And then I was able to do it this year and it's felt so hard every time, you know, going Mm -hmm. up this route and I'd be so pumped and stressed and just falling off. And now, when I was actually able to do it, just descend the route, it felt easy. And I think I think that kind of easy is good, you know, where you're in the flow and you're, mm-hmm. and it's actually hard, but because you're doing it right, it feels easy. Yeah. And I can have that same thing with 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 skiing too, especially skiing lines fast. If I'm really stressing and it feels really hard while I'm doing it, then I'm like not really doing it right. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, but it's. I don't know, it's a, yeah. It's an interesting, I guess we want to challenge ourselves too. Yeah. I, I've had that feeling like the past months actually, like the past six, six months, it's been like a bit of a roller coaster with everything and things are going well, but it's like stressful and like pretty much every aspect of life, everything's like up and down and back and forth and like yeah. so much is happening. And I'm like, I don't know if it's pleasant, but it's at least not boring. You know, I'm never mm-hmm. bored. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's 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 something.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you heard that um, Joseph Campbell quote of "if you're if the path in front of you is clear, you're on someone else's path." And I feel like that's always the guiding thing of like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, and it translates to bushwhacking quite nicely too. Just a quick favour to ask, my friends, if you could head to wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a very kind review. That will not only help my ego virtually explode, but it will help people just like you find the podcast too, and hopefully help them to their next level. And how do you how do you maintain mental health whilst you are traveling around doing difficult things like you're like doing a dangerous things in some capacities you're doing um you know running your own business you're paying other people you're, like you're there's the stress of that Um you're traveling a bunch i assume as well like how do you maintain your mental health during that time
0: Ooh, well i mean first of all i haven't been maintaining my mental health for long periods of time which is not good um uh how yeah, so? been, if, you, if,
1: if you don't talk about it we can cut it out but like how so
0: no i i've had long periods of my life where i just haven't been focused on that where i've been really like been trying to do something skiing a mountain or making a movie or you know reaching some kind of professional goal and i've, I've just kind of been doing it um without regards to my mental health and that mm. only came in later and i know other people's mental health like pushing people i work with like we've had tears on multiple sets. Um, and I don't know if that all was me pushing or people push themselves, but it's took me years to like really gain confidence in the idea that you can do good work, um, produce high quality, you know, competitive products or services in whatever field you're in while having, uh, a good life while having, you know, um, good mental health. Um, but, but I think that's hard to have confidence in that because there's so much narrative around like you know sacrifice and no pain no gain and all this stuff which i think is kind of bullshit. i think you produce better stuff if if you're happy uh Mm -hmm. or like at least content and especially if you're not like depressed or super stressed and even even just stress it like um yeah it it, uh, degrades your mental capacity, you know? If you're stressing too much, you you're not going to be able to output at your the level you need to output at. But that's been a big process and to me it comes all down to scheduling and saying no mm. and being realistic about my scheduling, um giving me and everyone around me enough time um to do the work that we need to do. Um yeah, it is because it is super hectic like this past 3 weeks I did like a way too much stuff. Uh, lots of photo shoots and traveling and like sponsor meetings and all around like different countries. And uh, I ended up with this huge cold that I have now because I think it was just too stressed. And like my whole body just collapsed and my, uh, yeah. yeah, And I got infected by some virus, um, which was bad because I didn't give myself enough room to rest. I didn't give myself uh, enough time to recover in between different things. Um, and that's, yeah, that's just the big focus I have now. It's, it, don't pack the schedule too full, say no to things, even if they're good opportunities, like prioritize, uh, rest and recovery, uh, and prioritize time with people you love, like friends or family and, um, give that space. Uh, cause that can be really hard if you're, especially if you're chasing, you know, any kind of like professional dream, it, it's so easy to prioritize that because, you know, okay, if I do this, it'll lead me towards whatever thing I'm chasing. Whereas, you know, the time, like this human time needed with other people, it's hard to give that priority because you're like, oh, I'm just feeding, you know, some kind of like comfort thing. But that is actually super duper important. And if you don't do that, you'll end up in like a dark black hole, which is really hard to do anything uh, of interest from. So yeah. that's, I think that's been my big, big, yeah, big learning experience. Just, uh yeah, giving the right things priority. Yeah. It's a, it's really
1: tough bands to to um to strike i think like one on one hand if t- you had a polyvagal theory it's basically a nerdy way of saying um nervous system regulation like your your nervous system interprets threat around and if you feel like you're under threat you don't do anything creative or generative because you're seeking safety above all else and like i think that's kind of what you're talking about there around right? kind of like can i recuperate and connect with people and like come to this place of like and connect myself to, and then on the other hand you have the kind of like Sacrifice, pushing, working hard, which I think is like there's there's definitely truth to it, but it's been overemphasized and it's been the only narrative for so long. And then it's almost like Taoism, like with the two opposites, and the Tao is embodying both of those paths at the same time. Where it's like I'm looking after myself and I'm kind of nourishing myself, but then on the other hand, I'm also pushing myself and and making the appropriate sacrifices, and like somewhere in the middle. But it's a I don't think you're ever going to look at that and go nailed that got that exactly right
0: no for sure not but uh yeah i don't know i just i have i have like i have my one friend he's a musician and he never really achieved or he's, he's now in his 30s and he hasn't really achieved all the things he wants to achieve and he's like i need to like sacrifice more i need to like wake up and have cold showers in the morning and like uh all these things and i'm like i don't know if that's what you need to do you know i think maybe i think if you're if you're working from a place of comfort and you know not comfort yeah but actually yeah like having a solid foundation where you're, like, safety, safe feeling safe yeah i think that's good um obviously like yeah stepping out of your comfort zone is good too because i think that's like one extreme i think he, he was like trying to sacrifice too for just for like the sake of sacrificing mm-hmm not to be like oh i need to be in the studio for 10 hours a day i'm like yeah if you need to do that for your creative process sure but i don't know if you need to like wake up before you actually want to and have that cold shower i don't know man mm-hmm. whereas like if it it's actually like sacrificing something concrete to reach a goal then then i'm more for it whereas on the other hand i spoke to my friend she wants to start a restaurant and she's like really passionate about um uh, vegetarian food it feels like there's no great vegetarian food here in town and she was like, yeah, I just need to reach a place of like economic comfort in my current job before I'm like uh, comfortable stepping out into, uh, into the world of rest, being a restaurant owner. And to me, that was like, you're never going to reach that. You're never going to be safe unless you are, unless you're living off capital, unless you're not like one of those lords in Bridgerton. you're always going to be basically scraped in a, not, I mean, in a very like first world way, scraping by for survival. You know, unless you're living off dividends or like rents from your estate, you will you will never reach a place of like economic safety. So you will have to step off and like jump into the deep end of insecurity and all these things if you wanna if you want to chase that dream. Um, and I think, uh, like we went into earlier, like I think I was lucky because I like did that early at an early stage in my life where I didn't have any economic security yeah. at all. And I think that's harder the older you get and the more safe you feel in your job or whatever. But I think like for her, I was like, if you want to, to chase that dream, you will have to give up something. You can't have the safety of like a, uh, that income and also be an entrepreneur doing that restaurant. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's like, for sure. Yeah. You need, yeah. You need anything at some points you need to be willing to sacrifice. You need to be willing to fail, but in that process, you need to take enough time to hang out with your cute dog and your friends and your loved ones. Yes. It's if the that appropriate it for a sacrifice. It's the correct
1: sacrifice. It's not sacrificing everything, sacrificing yeah. what you need to, which is usually like a, probably like an, uh, an undeveloped part of you like the one yeah. seeking something that's not quite right.
0: Yeah. I was also, I listened to another podcast. It was, uh, this philosopher, who also talked about these transitions in life you know if, if it's like a romantic one or a professional one or if you change paths it will be painful mm. you know there would there will inevitably be pain involved in all these things and um, yeah that's part of it and pain is, is is part of it for sure but i think it's uh i think it's important to not glorify that pain and i don't i think it's important to like try to minimize it uh, as much as possible
1: but then it does make the 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 summit a little bit more enjoyable maybe or like relative because it's a it's dichotomy or not dichotomy it's the equal opposite like if you yeah. just had bliss
0: but i think it depends on like what you're doing like in in climbing and in skiing these are games mm-hmm. and you set the rules for the game and the joy comes out of you know achieving your objective while following these rules and Then of course you can tweak those rules to make it more or less hard and painful. Mm -hmm. So like, take me, for example, I have a focus on human powered skiing because I feel like it's good for skiers to take care of the snow we're skiing on. So I don't think it's, to me, I don't find it to be good style to like fly helicopters to the start of, Mm -hmm. of mountains or start of lines. But that also makes it a lot harder, you know, because then you Mm -hmm. have to climb the mountain, you have to walk up the valley, you have to do all these things. But to me, that's part of the game. And that, It's part of what makes it fun i think if you're starting a business or doing school or any of these things i think it's a bit different because you don't really get to choose the rules as much Mm. and the rules are already kind of hard and so if you're like really impose a lot of a lot of things that are maybe not necessary then i don't know like i remember in law school i would see i would see people go around with all these like folders of notes And like the first years I was like, what are in those folders? I was like, just like trying to get, like, I was like, I felt like I was missing something. I felt like, like, what are these people like doing that, that like, I'm obviously not doing this. Like, and I was like really curious about like, and feeling bad about not, not making that same sacrifice of making that huge folder of notes. And then I would go to my exams and be totally fine and get good grades. And I was like, okay, you don't need to make that folder of notes. Or, like, I don't need to, at least. Oh, but so it makes for, you
1: feel for, better. Like, writing those notes down is like a, it's almost like a show, I think, of, like, a, oh, look how much work I've done to myself.
0: Yeah, in a way. And also, like, at the start, for example, like, I would show up at 8 at the university. When I was in town, I would show up at 8 and start studying. But I would be so tired at 8, so I would just kind of, like, sleep for an hour or two on my desk. And at the end, I was like, why do that? I don't have to show up at 8. I can just show up when I'm rested. And I would show up at like nine or ten instead. And I would just be rested and then um and then study. So yeah, I don't know. And uh yeah, it's um uh, it's tricky.
1: How do you manage fear? Like there's there's so much of it in what you do. And it'd be a boring YouTube video if there was no risk or element of fear in there. Maybe not boring. It'd be um less engaging maybe but it's also part of what you want to do and like if we think about or i'm assuming it's part of what you want to do if there's like you think about even freestyle there's the there's a fear of whatever the first time you do this or hitting the drop or um the fear of even projects going wrong um and kind of wasting time and money or like heading to heading to wherever and the snow's not right like how do you deal with that fear
0: um yeah, I think like you say, there's uh, a lot of different fears, like there's like the yeah fears of projects going wrong. Yeah. Wasting time and money of like uh professional failure in that sense. And then there's the fear of like, you know, bodily harm to, to me or others. And, and the fear of death. Um, and to me, I think my main, um, I guess the, my main, it's kind of like stoicism in a way, just being okay with whatever outcome is my main, um, I guess, my main way of of dealing with it professionally. I just, yeah, think back to my first year of, like, I just came out of high school, set in motion all these projects, and I was like, oh, this will be crazy if any of this comes true. But I was totally fine with any of them not happening as well, you know? And if it didn't happen, that would be cool. That would be okay. Um, And I think going into to any sort of like yeah like business venture or anything you have to be okay with failure because that that will be an option and if you're not okay with failure then you should shouldn't do it really Mm -hmm. and i think that's the same thing in the mountain too uh i go into the mountain accepting accepting all possible outcomes um i remember when i when i injured myself uh, the most seriously last time i uh, tore my achilles broke my face fractured my face and I had like three fractures in my uh, hand slash arm um after like a tomahawk through some rocks and I remember I was coming out of it and I stopped and I was like oh this is like also part of skiing you know I can't and I was like I was feeling myself I was like oh I'm happy I'm alive this could have been a lot worse the pain I'm in is it's tolerable it's not it's not crazy it's a bluebird day I know the hell he's going to be able to come rescue me i'm not at any risk of hypothermia here we have enough clothes. i'll be fine so that was obviously like part of that but at the same time i was seriously injured and it was the start of my season and i could potentially lose my whole season with like yeah whatever i'd done to my foot and my face was smashed and like all this stuff but at the same time i was like i had this like just really clear epiphany or like just this thought of like this is also part of skiing like you can't go skiing anywhere really and expect to not be injured especially if you spend the amount of time that i do skiing because there it will always be a chance of hitting a rock or hitting three rocks like i did Mm -hmm. and and at some point like something like that will happen and then it happened and and if if i truly want to ski if i truly want to be in the mountains i truly want to pursue that i also want in a fucked up way i also want those injuries if that makes sense mm-hmm. like uh there's a stoic Epictetus. he talks about wanting really wanting an experience uh, and he's a roman so he was a back when there were gladiators and he talks about going to the gladiator games and if you actually want experience you don't just want the thrill of the show and like seeing all these gladiators do their thing you also want to stand in line be like bullied by drunk mm-hmm. people and like deal with all the crowds and the heat and all the Negative sides of experience. Like if you actually want to go to the game fully, if you, in the true way, want it, you want all of that. And I think that's the same to me with, um, yeah, with like skiing or uh, or all these lines. And then there's like the extreme of that. Okay, like going into avalanche train. Do I want the chance of dying? And if I think if you're, are you know being buried alive and suffocating beneath a ton of snow, do you want that? And in a way, like, of course, I don't want to experience that. But if, I think I think a lot of people should ask themselves that question. There's like this 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 doctor who I was debating and uh, in the news this winter, he was like, he says, you should ask yourself the question before you go into avalanche train, do I want to die today? Or am I prepared to die today? And I think he's kind of exaggerating, but it's also kind of true. Like, mm-hmm. if you actually go into avalanche train, you have to be prepared for that outcome. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, accepting that outcome you shouldn't be there like you shouldn't go because there will be a chance of that happening just but in the same way there will be a chance of that happening if you uh, get into your car and drive to the grocery store because you can be hit by you know a truck so i mean there's levels of it but i think to me dealing with my fear is just being okay with uh, all possible outcomes while at the same time obviously like if i'm skiing a line having a very clear sense um that I'll be able to do it. Yeah. That this is within Trust. what's possible for me, and trusting myself, trusting my, um, you know, judgment of the mountain. What I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do. I have a, one, one good example is uh, this Albanaska face in in Austria. I ski like a few, uh, like four years ago, and this is like a steep spine face, and you're jumping into the face, and then landing in like this spiny terrain, and then you're skiing overexposure for a bit, and then you're kind of jumping out of it and the whole thing is like you you, you're jumping into the face so when you land if you're not on it if you start falling you fall off you're going to be severely hurt um or or dead and just everything is so committing and you have to be in such a close state you have to trust everything you have to trust that you're not going to hit a rock and i i found that that was like one of my best experiences of skiing because i knew that it was within my limits but it was definitely like at the you know, extreme of it, yeah and then really trusting that, and trusting my assessment of the snow and and my scouting of the line and everything, and then doing it. That was like so satisfying. But yeah, it's a yeah trust trust trusting yourself. So when you're stood on top of the line like that, do you have any
1: self-talk or any rituals that you go through?
0: Um, I breathe. I do like I breathe. I do take some like deep breaths. Mm uh to like really just focus and kind of center myself on what i'm gonna do uh and then i visualize everything that i'm gonna do what's gonna happen are you visualizing yourself from like a first person perspective yeah yeah Yeah. and especially if you have to do some navigating like if you're you know gonna have to take a jump three spines to the left and jump Mm -hmm. near the rock and take a right turn past Mm -hmm. the tree sort of thing uh then i really do that um and also just kind of visualizing it working out you know (laughs) just kind of being like okay this is how it's going to work out this is what i'm going to do and then it'll be okay you know and it's going to be sweet and awesome and but yeah having a clear sense and truly believing uh that it'll be good and that i got this you know Mm -hmm. because i find that especially if i'm doing like tricks of cliffs and and things like this you know you're hitting natural air so you never know exactly what the takeoff's going to be like what the landing is going to be like but if you don't believe that you're gonna do it i can i can see video clips of myself where where i don't really believe it because then I, then i can mm. see in the air that i'm kind of like hesitating or pulling back and i'm like not really like committing to the landing yeah. or the takeoff um all this stuff so yeah it's, it's it's like trusting yourself kind of thing
1: yeah it's interesting that you can always see that um mental state on camera like and you can you know what it feels like and you can kind of sense it in other people i don't think it's just seeing yourself is it? you see it in other people like uh they are like terrified of something going wrong or they just doubt they you see that inkling of doubt or something like that
0: Totally. And I think now we talk about the fear, right? Which is natural. You don't want to fall down this mountain and hurt yourself. But then um, I, I think without the other part, which is the motivation, which is like really, 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 really wanting it. I think if you don't have that, you're obviously going to give in to the fear, which is, I guess, what, which is natural. Like I had a fear of, you know, jumping off a short small bridge with a parachute because I have no idea how to do it safely. So I don't do it um but uh, this motivation to to ski something to to jump something to like i think that has to be there it has to be strong it has to be true um because if you don't have that there's no way you're gonna you know not give in to the fear mm-hmm. so i think and then there's obviously like having the motivation but sort of like checking you back in with the fear okay what's the fear telling me to like be cautious of here and and then you know i, I talk about truly believing that it's possible uh, then I really try to like check in with my motivation. Am I fooling myself here? And uh, am I just super motivated for this, but I don't really have the ability to do it or it's not really safe or I haven't done the correct snow assessment, et cetera. So there's like this real balance there in between like your motivation and your fear um, to do something. And that's, uh, I like that. I think that's fun. I mm-hmm. find that, you know, I don't know, you get that, like the motivation mm-hmm. to send it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know absolutely you see absolutely. you see like a terrain feature or something you yeah. like really really want to do it um I find that's interesting i had um i had a period uh where I was going through some rough stuff mentally where I'd lost my motivation a little bit for for yeah like a full winter almost and I kind of had to i thought found found that interesting too like having to imagine what I would have felt like if I had been in my normal mental state, you know, because I was like mm. uh, yeah, struggling with like depression and all kind of stuff and like, and then doing it like, mm-hmm. and that, that's really hard. If you don't have like the true, uh, you know, natural motivation, that's just there. So that was, uh, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Those are the, the tough times when you're
1: not feeling like naturally engaged in the problem when you're just like yeah. having to manufacture this from someone else, uh, from something else or somewhere else.
0: Yeah. But then I find it's good to, yeah. we talked about goals a bit earlier, like knowing or like having some kind of image of what are what are the elements that make up a good life for me. And then just trying to fill, fill my life with those elements, even if the motivation to do it is not actually there, but then just having like a, you know, some kind of like checklist in a way. Oh, yeah. I think that's an awesome place to
1: to wrap up Um really really appreciate your time dude I really appreciate it and I really enjoyed it where can people like follow you watch your awesome content um where do you send them
0: uh yeah thank you um uh YouTube I got a YouTube channel and an Instagram
1: Nikolai Shermer
0: I'll be yeah I'm there new stuff coming out this fall
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, as part of my very difficult research for this, I got to watch so many of your videos again. And that was uh, a dream research project for, uh, for me in this podcast. So uh, thanks. Thanks for that, man.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Really appreciate it. Thanks, man.